0: So it's just Zach and I, and I guess uh, Ashley's here just to hit record on the Zoom here, and then uh, she, oh, there she goes. But thank you for doing this with us. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Of course, my pleasure. I appreciate you're an your inspiration, expanding yourself like this.
0: <laughs> well, Zach and I will just jump in. This is a real simple premise of a show, and uh, we we basically like to talk with some of the most interesting people we've ever come across, or I've ever had the pleasure to come across in my former life as Jingle Jared. So Zach, why don't you take it from here?
2: Yeah, so Fred, nice to to meet you again. Um, Before we even get into this, I just want to let you know that I was in a fraternity with your boy Kevin Litt in college and we partied quite a bit in the early 90s together. (laughs) Um, I deny it all. Yes, okay. (laughs) Good start. Um, Yeah man, so you obviously are a man who has made multiple careers happen like Jared is. Jared has recently forced to do a two-year non-competitive agreement for jingles and as he was once known as the king of jingles he now needs to find a new career path and a new o- occupation so we're reaching out like he said to the people who have accomplished uh, quite impressive things in their lives especially people like you who have gone from you know one side of your life maybe just being an actor as a child to being the successful director you are today so we want to see if maybe jared could transition uh, into maybe being like a tv director someday who you knows right know,
0: who, who knows what he could do So, and Fred and I, uh, we briefly got to meet each other uh, in my, when he was working on a really actually probably ahead of its time show for Fox last year, where it was a hybrid between a talk show and a comedy series. And it was really cool to like, you know, I I don't typically spend a ton of time on sets because I'm composing music, but it was really amazing to see, you know, everything that goes on on a day to day there. And I wanted to just uh, go back, you know, in time with you, Fred, and go, you know, you've spent a good part of your life uh, behind and, and in front of the camera, when did you decide that you were going to start uh, thinking about directing and uh, producing as a career? what point in your life did you say, this is something I want to do?
1: Um, you know, even as a kid, I was always interested in directing or uh, I guess what was going on behind the camera. Um, you know, from, from um, first of all, just from like a mechanical standpoint, the camera was cool, you know, and I loved taking it apart and I loved watching the assistants load it and check the gate and pull the film out and see all the pieces. Like it was mechanically to me, just a really cool instrument. And then, um, as I got older, just the kind of, I started to recognize styles of directing. So when I was on the Wonder Years as a kid, every week, you know, I mean, we'd have a lot of directors come back again and again and again, but you know, every week was a, a different director. You know, someone come back, but each week was someone new, and and so, um, so I got to see like, oh, you know, how one person say there's a three page scene, why it would take one director, they would do it in one or two shots, and maybe a half page scene would be ten shots, and why, and 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 what 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 informed those choices, and then you see it on TV, and different choices would elicit different responses. I was so interested in, um, in in those choices and how those choices by the former director kind of shaped a show. Um, and then on another level, just as a kid, I remember like, you know, you'd be out in front of the camera and I could only go to school, I could only go to work a certain amount of hours a day because I had to do school and, you know, but it was still, you know, 10 and a half or an 11 and a half, 11 and a half hour day, depending on how old you were. And um, it was a lot of work. I remember sitting out there in front of the camera and, Everyone, the director on again, and again, and again. I'm like, yeah, buddy. I'm out here killing myself. You're sitting back there in this nice chair in front of a monitor. I can't. I can't wait till I get to do that. So it it, it appealed to me on a lot of different levels. But but even as a kid, I was just interested in uh, in a lot of different elements of of what I thought that job was.
0: And you've also, I guess, as a director, by being someone who's not only acted themselves but also worked with some of you know the greatest comedians, you know, and actors and directors of all time. Is there any particular directors or actors that you learned specifically a lot from that, that said, okay, this is a master of their craft. I, You know, I'm going to follow this path.
2: Um,
1: you know, I think as an actor, you work with so many different kinds of actors, especially in comedy. There's so many different approaches to comedy. You know, there's really well-rehearsed, finely-timed, you know, um, mechanical comedy. There's really loose improvisational comedy. There's joke-based comedy. There's character-based comedy. You know, There's broad, there's serious, there's farce. And I think that in all the different shows that I've worked on, both as an actor and as a director, you work with all different kinds of actors um, who have all different approaches to, uh, you know, not just comedy, but the work in general. Some actors love rehearsal and will rehearse it to death. Other actors don't want to rehearse at all and want to just, roll, you know, roll the camera, you know, the first time I do it, and you capture something fresh, experimental. And a lot of times those two actors are in a scene together. And so you really learn a lot of a lot of styles and approaches. And it made me a better director and a better actor uh, because you're just observing so many different approaches to, to the work. So... I, you know, I wouldn't say there's any one person. I feel like if, if I'm paying attention or doing my job well, I'll pull something from, from every experience. Um, you know, uh, sometimes it's, you know, what to do and what I want to emulate. A lot of times it's what not to do. Um, and, uh, and I'll learn from other people and I'll learn from myself. So I feel like if I'm doing it well and um, I'm, I'm attuned to what's going on, I, I'll, I'll
0: hopefully pull something from, from, from every experience. And I think in my world as a songwriter, every time I go into a new room with somebody, whether it's like a Timbaland or a T-Bone, I always said I was lucky to like be able to borrow elements of their, you know, from each person I ever got to meet and turn it into my own specific style. Um, I guess that really, you know, also comes down to how do you collaborate as a director When it's someone else's, you know, like you said, every week on Wonder Years, there'd be a different director. Like if you go into a show like Modern Family where they've, you know, there's X many episodes a season, there's already a story arc for the season. How do you end up going in there and making it feel obviously uniform so it fits into the arc of the season, but also make it your own? Are you involved in reading every script of the season and, uh, you know... Uh, a good friend of mine, Steve Levitan, who we spoke to earlier in the season, was you know talking about it from the showrunner point of view. But I'm curious, as a director, you know what that's like.
1: You know, it's a lot. You know, I would imagine it's somewhat similar to uh, when you get approached for a show. You know, you almost treat the show like, okay, here's the brief. You know, here's what the tone of the show is. Here's the style of the show. Here's the emotion that this cue needs to convey. And then they give you that input. And you're not going to come out with, you know, uh, some like Baroque fugue for um,
2: <laughs>
1: uh, you know, mo- modern, modern family, you know, yeah. like, that's that, that doesn't work for that. So you're going to come up with its own its own thing for Steve. So I, it's the same thing for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, um, you know, when I go to a show, I, I know what the show is. I hopefully I know the sh- I'm aware of the show or know the show. And if I don't, I immerse myself in it and watch as much of the show as I can. And that kind of establishes the sp- Box, you know and then within that sandbox you can do whatever you want but um but you know you have to understand kind of the brief uh, uh for lack of a better word and what the show is and the style of the show and um and, uh, and approach it uh you know then then apply your skills and your interpretation and, and hopefully you know your filter uh and play within that sandbox
2: i think one thing that's uh that's a perfect point but one thing that a lot of young directors might not realize is that you know, people like yourself probably started shadowing people at an early age and just being around it so much. You had like a film school education without actually having to go to USC or something like that and, you know, learn the craft. Like, but you definitely have to go watch other people do it before you just jump in and think, you know, I can get away with this.
1: I mean, ideally, yeah. Uh, You know, I I spent, um, you know, my whole life on sets, you know, working with different directors. And then after college when I thought that, you know, know being a television director I really wanted to make a go of it I you know called everyone I knew and a lot of people I didn't know um and asked them you know can I come to your set can I hang out on your set and some um some people uh most people never called me back and uh uh, you know uh, a lot of people said no and then a handful of people said yes and um and then I I kind of just you know put myself in as many situations as possible to be on a set and observe. Um, you know, I think, you know, twofold, both to um, learn, you know, obviously and, and observe and, and pick some things up. And I, and I definitely did that, but I also think, uh, you know, as, as it applies to your position, um, it was also, th- I was also there to almost reeducate kind of the industry that I was trying something new because, mm-hmm at all those sets, there were studio executives and network executives and people who yeah. knew me in one way. And I was there to almost, almost, you know, re-educate them to think like, see me in this other light. And I think anytime time, I at least was fortunate enough to stay in the same um, industry, but I was, you know, switching kind of fields in that industry. But, you know, when you're wanting to make a big shift like you are, um, you know, you ha- it's, it's not just, you know, your own education. Uh, to the job or to the to the you know area of study, but it's also educating the people who are going to give you the opportunities in that field that you're making a change and to kind of see you in a different light. So it, it, it kind of being on set observing kind of served two purposes and probably the latter more um, than 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 learning kind of how to direct.
0: And that's got to be a blessing and a curse, growing up, being extremely successful in one thing and then trying to convince the world that you're more than that. I could imagine that at times would have been frustrating and challenging, but you did it, you know, amazing, you know, transition, like seeing the type of, you know, shows, these blue chip, uh, you know, television properties that you were part of and even blue chip, you know, uh, you know, films that you acted in later, you know, after your, your child career. That must have been, you know, a struggle to break out of that. And I would say, when did you get your first call to direct something for network television? And were you know how, how did that come about? Do you remember what that was? Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, I, I, I will tell you though.
1: To your previous point, I would have to be pretty dense or, or blind to everybody else to think to, to view my previous experiences as, as as anything other than a blessing. You know, uh, <laughs> it was it was not a curse. I had a, I was very successful at a young age and uh, beyond anything I could have imagined or hoped for. And, and so, you know, I, I was fortunate that, uh, the community was willing to, um, see me in a different light, you know, both as an actor and as a director. I think I, I was very fortunate in that, in that respect, but I, I don't look back on my experiences as a kid as, you know, as a as any kind of curse or handicap or something I had to overcome, you know, everything I do. And I feel like at this point I've established myself in a variety of careers as, as, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as, uh, as my own person, but I I would be really blind to the facts if I didn't think that everything I'm doing is staying on the shoulders of what I did as, as a kid. So it was, it was nothing but a blessing. Like it just really, helped me at a, you know, it was, it was
2: great. Here's my um, question. How did you come out of it? So unscathed. I mean, we read about all these childhood, you know, these kid actors who are so successful and you were probably the one of the more successful of all of them. And you here, you are functioning. You probably have, you're probably married with children and you're working and was there like a <laughs> secret to like keeping it alive? I mean, you just hear so many bad stories about it, you know? Um, well, I'm really drunk
1: right now.
0: So oh, of course helps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, just like us. Yeah. (laughs) uh, yeah.
1: Uh, No, I mean, I will say um, I I do feel uh, like I I came out the other end. uh, You know, I was very fortunate in that respect. But I also would argue a little bit that, um, you know, there were a lot of stories, especially as I was coming up, you know, as a kid, about people who got into trouble later on in life. Um, But I feel like we hopefully... You know, learned our lessons from from kind of the the people that came before us, and I think that you know, for every bad story or each Hollywood story you could come up with, there's there's ten or or you know twenty examples of kids who have you know grown up and succeeded in the industry, or more often than not, not you know succeeded in other industries and have become Mm -hmm. uh, dentists and veterinarians and. Uh, hardware shop, uh, people who work at hardware stores, you know, like it's, I think that the idea of working as a kid as a recipe for disaster later in life, I I don't know. I mean, I would, I would, I would argue that. I mean, I I don't want to turn my back on people who have had, there are people who have had really bad experiences and, and, and have gone through, you know, really bad stuff. And um, I'm not ignorant to that fact at all. But I don't. I, I don't think it's a cause and effect. You know, I don't think it's yeah, a cause yeah. and effect. But I but so, I, I do feel fortunate. You know, yeah. um, for having had as positive an experience as as I did.
0: But there so was a question about that you know, kind of yeah, yeah exactly no no, what, no, no what, that was what, a two parter. We we want to hear all about the the first time you got a, a you know a major got oh, oh, a now, network right. and how that came about.
1: Um. Well. Uh. <laughs> uh i uh it was the old fashioned way in that it was contractually obligated um
0: my uh, my dad <laughs> oh, i like that
1: yeah my my dad uh you know knew uh, that this was something that i wanted to do and in his infinite wisdom um made had it put in in my deal when i was i, I did a show right out of college called working a sitcom for mm-hmm. nbc oh, yeah. and and yeah. so he had it it was it was put in the deal that in the second season i got to direct an episode. And, and so that was the first, that was the first one. And that was for NBC. Nice. And, wow. um, I was, um, I was wildly unprepared and, uh, <laughs> but, 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 it, it was, um, you know, it was helpful. That it was my own show, you know, so my, so the, the crew. They, no one, yeah. And they also weren't going to let me fall, you know, screw up too badly. They weren't gonna let me fall on my ass too hard. Um, so they really rallied around me and it was only until, you know, years later, when I saw what it was like when you didn't have that support, I was like, oh, wow, like, they really had my back. They really, they really <laughs> helped me out. Because I like to think, like, oh, I'm a director. And then I was like, oh, I am not. I am not a director. So, uh, I mean, that was my first experience. And, um, and then it was, it was, it was really uh, a very slow uh, and deliberate build. I, I feel like um, I skipped kind of no no rungs on the ladder um, i really still you know, started i started at, you know disney channel and nickelodeon after wow. cold after cold calling i wrote down the name of a production company at the end of a show and i called them cold and uh started observing and got a job at disney channel and then a job at nickelodeon and um just you know one led to the next and you know one year i did one episode the next year i did two the next year i did zero and then the next year i did one and it was a very kind of Slow, slow build. That everybody some and this isn't gonna like uh, flip the switch for you, man. I don't. I you know, at least not me. I, didn't, I did I you know that whole like work hard, work smart, not hard. I've not yeah. learned that lesson. I've not learned that cool. lesson.
0: <laughs> As a composer, you know what we've all had that feeling. You know when when I I was lucky that I didn't get to skip any rungs on the ladder too, because I got to fail early and often. And when you were telling me about that, you know, experience, but directing the first show, the first time I had ever conducted an orchestra. I was afraid to tell people, A, as someone who's composed more music for TV and film, I don't know how to read music. And I certainly don't know how to conduct a 10-piece orchestra. And I was like, with the right people around me, I figured out a process that worked for me. I figured out how to do, you know, the countins and all that stuff. But once one was out of the way, I'm like, great. Now it's on the resume. Now I'm a a composer. And I feel like once you, you know, in the world of Disney Channel and Nickelodeon, you just start – you know, getting all that utility in, of making shows and getting your hours in. So much yeah, time, you probably reps. went back to network. You were just like, "Oh, I know what all this is."
1: Yeah, it was a lot. It's a, right. It's right. It was a lot of reps, and um, that was like my film school. And they were incredible. I mean, they just gave me so many opportunities. It was, it was amazing. And um, and yeah, definitely, um, you know, definitely took the reps, and then when you get the call, you, you're hopefully ready. But I, I feel like every every job. Um, Hopefully, you know, presents a new challenge or, um, you know, something that makes you a little nervous on Sunday night when you go to bed that you're, you're excited and nervous to go to work on Monday morning. So uh, I feel like I've definitely, you know, taken my reps and had a lot of cracks at it and, and, and logged my hours, but I'm still <laughs> trying to, you know, challenge myself, be
0: nervous, uh, you know, be intimidated and, and hopefully grow with each gig. Being nervous is key. It helps you care, and it kicks into that part of the body that's like fight or flight, where it, it really makes you just you know feel like you're supposed to be there and, and with purpose, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially in creative endeavors, I think if you're not nervous, that's when you should really get nervous because uh, <laughs> you've, you've stopped pushing yourself or you've become complacent or you know. Um, I, I I hope that uh, doesn't you know
2: that never goes away. I was nervous about this phone call. I was too, Fred. You're very uh, intimidating.
0: Uh, I, I I hope that's not true. <laughs> no, we're just kidding. no, no. We, we this is this is amazing. Um, we got a you know a few more for you just before we uh, let you go. Is you know you've you've tackled every type of you know comedy, um, you know directing style. You know like single camera and, and uh, multi camera for for network TV. Is there a genre or a style? of directing that that you haven't done yet that you would be excited to do. So what's your like dream project in the future?
1: Um, Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I I feel like I like um, things with some sort of humorous or comedic bent to them. Um, But I do like, I would like to do like like a heist movie, you know, like a suspense Mm. comedic Mm. heist, you know? you know, like, you know, the early Soderbergh, you know, whether it's, you know, early, early Soderbergh yeah. or even, even later Soderbergh for Ocean's Eleven or, or, um, just, I, I just, I, I think a a comedic heist or a, a wry heist is something, uh, that, that really interests me. I love true crime, um, but I also like, uh, comedy. And so, uh, I think that's a, a, a cool heist would be, a and even like the classic, you know, um, uh, Thomas Crown Affair, or I love those, uh, of the Jackal, or, or or I just mm-hmm. I I love, uh, I just love a good, a good heist thriller. And so, if we can do something a little comedy, that's something I'm, I'm really excited about.
0: And, uh, what's next up for you in terms of, uh, stuff that you can talk about? Any projects that we can see or that you are able to, uh, promote at this moment?
1: Uh, yeah, I just finished, uh, we just finished, uh, editing um uh i did a show um uh for netflix called dash and lily this really um kind of heartfelt kind of coming of age romantic comedy uh it's eight episodes for netflix in december it's gonna be a holiday thing and uh i did uh i did half the season we shot it all on location in new york it was fantastic and um so it, it was uh like we got it done just in the nick of time. But um, yeah. we shot in and around New York for, for like two and a half months. It was fantastic.
0: What's gonna happen now with uh, production shutting down? Like, is there any, any predictions you can make about what kind of content people are gonna try to invent? Aside from what we're doing here with podcasting, but you know, with scripted TV, what's gonna happen with film and TV over the next little while? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've been very excited. It's been very exciting just
1: as a fan. Um, to see how people, you know, whether it's Saturday at Live, you know, trying something. Um, Mike Schur is doing this Parks and Recreation uh, thing. Uh, so I, I, I think I've really been – I think, like, the first month or so, everyone's like, oh, like, just trying to get their bearings and, you know, hope it all ends soon. And now that it doesn't seem like it is going to end very soon, um, people are really say, well, how can I say something with this? Like, what can I do with it? Like, how can it inform – you know, creative choices, and uh, both as someone who makes, uh, both as, as a producer and a consumer of entertainment, it, it's very exciting to see um, how people are trying to push the envelope and stretch things a little bit and see how we can make something that's entertaining and of the moment, um, and also hopefully fun to watch.
0: Yeah. And, and look, uh, with every single, single person, person we've spoken, spoken to, we've, we've gotten, you know, different takes on what it takes to actually, you know, make, make it in, in, in different, different careers. careers. And, and for you, I think, I think the big lesson here is it seems to be a lot of tenacity, which is, which is something that, that I can relate, relate to. to. You, you know, know, just when you see an see open, open door, door, take it. it. You know, <laughs> I, think I think too many times people in this industry wait for, for great things to happen to them. And it sounds like you're, you're not that kind of person in you were willing to do what you, what you call the, the repetition and the reps to get, you get strong, get, get good, good and, and literally, literally never skip a step, a step ladder. Ladder. So, so that's, that's my, my big takeaway here. Zach, exactly. what do you think? think? Is this career? Is this my, my occupational, occupational therapist? therapist? What do you think?
2: think? Um. Well, I think Fred works very hard as do you. So that's a thing you have in common. I think you would have to probably give up your media company to go be a TV director. And I don't know if you're willing to do that because I think it's it's a big commitment and it's a lot of work and I think you might just be a little too swamped right now
0: unless you I just want to only do that. Yeah, my ADD of being able to do a hundred things at once wouldn't—I don't think I'd be able to have that focus to be doing one thing all day. That's kind of what I'm thinking.
2: I know. I mean, I'm sure maybe in the future you could try to direct an episode of Uncle Drank, our new TV show, Fred. You're going to play a role. Um, <laughs> he hasn't said yes.
1: Uh, Let me ask you a question. What careers uh, have
0: you explored that Mm. would require just a fraction of your attention? Uh, Uh, Well, well, I found none, actually. Every master (laughs) that we've spoken to, from chefs to restaurateurs to pedicab drivers, apparently to be really good at something, you have to dedicate everything. So So that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We did... <laughs> we were learning that one lesson at a time. But, you know, even during my time as like the Jingle King, where I was making all my music, it was so towards the end, of not to like toot my horn. It became, after a while, effortless, which is, I think, where the passion left me towards the end. I think I got out of my business at the exact right time. Where Interesting. Yeah. A, yeah. A, a, a lot of things, you know, we had built the business. I was very interested in growing and selling that business, which I did. The catalog was a big part of it. And, I used to wake up and get really psyched about Pawn Stars or Housewives music or, you know, everything that I was doing, the voice. And then at some point, once you'd done the same job twice or three times, my heart wasn't in it the same way that it was when I was, you know, doing, you know, these musicals where, I, you know, last year I got to work with T Bone Burnett and Pooh Bear and Bob Dylan and all these people. And that to me is when I said, you know what? It's time to evolve and grow. And it's not necessarily a detachment from music, it's just an evolution. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's a good. What uh, you're talking about that you could recognize that that's great. Yeah, I was getting angsty and I was getting vi- and I was getting very short with myself and, and the, the people, people around me. Around but now but now I gotta, gotta say, like strange times, times, these COVID times. I know they're very difficult for everybody, but I'm enjoying creating, pushing, pushing myself every day to make new things, and, and that's, that's my sanity during these, these times. I got my you know, beautiful children at home running around here crawling all over me, and it's feels to, to me like, like, like everything's more containable in, in this moment, moment at, least at least for me, and, and I'm not, you know, you know unaware to the fact that it's very challenging for a lot, lot of people out there, there. but the, the only thing I can do is continue, the continue the
1: to create. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that sounds that's great, it's, it, it sounds like you are,
0: so congratulations <laughs> on the podcast, <laughs> and but thank you for right. having me. You're, you're the back. best. We really appreciate you coming on, and thanks for being on Occupational Therapy. Have a wonderful rest of the day, and be safe. It's a pleasure. I, no, no man is strong enough to say no to Hurwitz, so, uh. Ah, I, I, Dave <laughs> Hurwitz, he's he's great. He's a nudge in all the right ways, so thanks I mean, I, who, no, yes. no, no,
1: no one has that kind of strength. I certainly don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when this is over, we owe you a dinner at Craig's, so you can cash that in with us. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brad. Bye. 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 Bye.